going to be actually watching because there's an error connecting on Facebook. Um, actually, there's multiple, we have multiple technical difficulties going on right now. I don't, I don't even know if anybody can hear me um, because my normal microphone, Windows uh, is not recognizing it. So I'm using the microphone on the webcam right now. And according to StreamYards, the the the, uh, the stream is not even working on Facebook. So um, I'm trying to get an indication here. the uh, The sound volume looks pretty uh, pretty dismal, but uh, at least I got some green bars going with the uh, with the microphone. Um, This hasn't happened before, and um, Jennifer says, uh, I can hear you. Okay, well, that's good to know. It's, um, we, were, we were about to say it's ironic that today we're going to be talking about tests and ordeals and trials because... Um, if you have ever worked with technology in any capacity, computers in particular, there is perhaps nothing that will test your patience more than a, uh, than a technical difficulty because they arise inexplicably for no apparent reason out of the blue and there's no rhyme or reason to them. And um, yeah, and then, and usually they crop up. Like now, it's Murphy's Law of technology. If something can go wrong, it will. And usually in the most inopportune time. So, we could have been testing our microphone yesterday, this morning, an hour ago, half an hour ago. It doesn't matter. Five minutes before we're going live, Windows, for whatever reason, won't recognize it. And uh, we, and then we put it on the uh, microphone that we are on now. And uh, Windows did recognize that, but then StreamYards wouldn't recognize it. There was no, there was no audio meter. Suffice it to say, we put a fair amount of 
weight on our live streams that we do for uh, for you and um, well and there's only two of you because I think most people tune in via Facebook and that's not working um, and it says Facebook automatically deletes all streams that don't go live within 10 minutes of the scheduled start time this broadcast was likely deleted on Facebook if you edited the start time directly on Facebook or the clock on your device is wrong then this may be incorrect in that case you should try going live if it doesn't work you'll need to create a new broadcast or just remove this destination from the broadcast then re-add it well let's do that Let's try doing that. And let's start now. The problem is, is, well, I mean, if people are on Facebook wondering why the live streets live streams not working, then um, at least they'll get a notification that we're live now. Anyway, live and learn which is the topic of today's talk actually live and learn the tests and the trials that we face and the nature of those tests what they really are and we're tested daily the truth of it is we're tested every single day and those tests we are familiar with them on some level because they're the ones that disturb our peace. They cause to arise in us uh, negative emotions, thoughts, feelings, and of course, actions we end up being moved to anger or moved to tears but when our equilibrium when our peace when our state of calm abiding is disturbed by the circumstances of our life we are being tested and to and Today, just such a test is happening right now <laughs> because all of you have to, uh, well, you don't have to, but if you, if you are willing, you have the opportunity to uh, show patience, have patience with us today and the technical difficulties that um, <clears throat> we are um, enduring. <clears throat> and the key to remember when we face these tests is we are experiencing 
them at our level. But indeed, every trial and every test and ordeal is mirrored in the supernal worlds, at least the large ones, the big ones. These are known as initiations. And the initiations that take place in the internal worlds are directly related to our awakening. And the creation of our solar bodies, our, our human soul. There is a, an image of the Buddha where he is, uh, he has Behind him, seven serpents. These seven serpents represent, here we'll, uh, we just did a quick Google search. Um, there's many, many depictions of Buddha, uh, and behind Buddha are the uh, are the seven serpents. We just picked one here. These seven serpents represent the raising of the Kundalini, the creative force, seven times. The purpose of raising the Kundalini is because the Kundalini is our divine mother, the sexual force, the creative force within us. And to raise the seven serpents of fire represents the seven initiations of major mysteries. Raising them up the 33 vertebrae of the spinal column. And also the seven times seven, well, we'll get to the seven times seven, but seven times 33, the 33 vertebrae to create our solar bodies. The solar, uh, we start in Malkut, the physical body. But then we have the solar etheric body, the solar vital body to create, the solar astral body, the solar mental body, and the solar causal body. 
than the solar buddhic body and the solar atmic body. These are the seven bodies, the seven vehicles of the supernal worlds that we have to create. And that process of creation is a process of harnessing the sexual force, the creative force the, within us, but in the, the right way. So how we utilize the creative force determines what is created within us. And the initiations are the process by which we are tested to see how we will utilize that force, that energy. We will we identify with our egos, with our anger, with our pride, with our lust, with our greed, with our uh, gluttony, with our laziness, with our fear. My God, I have all these technical uh, difficulties. My God, what is what are everybody going to think? What are they going to think? My, my, my voice probably sounds like garbage now. I probably sound like I'm talking in a tin can. What is everybody going to think? My professional grade microphone isn't working. Now I'm working on a cheap webcam mic. What is everybody, what is everybody going to think? You have to be honest. You have to be forthright. These we won't say this self-talk is going on in our mind because it isn't. We've gone far beyond that point, working with what we're still working on. But physically, the feeling is still there. The, the, the feeling of discomfort or anxiety or worry that things are not going according to plan. Well, it's fear that reacts to that because fear wants control. It wants control of our outcomes, control of circumstances. It wants to control other people, in fact. Comfort and security, the desire for comfort and security, stems from fear. And if you have watched our live streams in the past, you know that we are very, very intimately knowledgeable, intimately connected and related to the demon of fear. The very discomfort which arises from things not working the way we expected them to work. The, the disturbance that that causes us, the frustration or the 
anxiety or the worry or whatever, or just the anger or the, the what's the word we're looking for? Disappointment. It just is what it is. And because we work on Microsoft and we've been working with Microsoft we, on Windows, and we've had Windows now for what is it, the better part of 20 years? More than that. Oh, well, 30 years. More than that. Gosh, 35 years. We really shouldn't be surprised. But still, in the intensity and everything else, you know, the, the feelings are there. The, we're, not, we're not rid of our fear. Anybody that says that they're rid of their fear are kidding themselves. That's the truth. That's a belief that your fear is telling you to convince you that you have none. The truth is, if you have no fear, then you're already a Buddha. If you have no ego, then you're already a resurrected master. You're beyond a mere angel. You're a bodhisattva. You're, you're one with the Christ. If you have no ego. But the truth is, if you think you have no ego, that's ego talking. We all have ego. How do we know? Because we're here. So, Safit says, ego is, is illusion. No, ego creates illusion. But egos, fear, lust, greed, pride, gluttony, anger, these are very real. And the effects that they create, the suffering that they create, is also very real. You experience it, do you not? It's very real. The effects in the world are very real. You don't think that anger and violence caused by anger isn't, is not is not real? The harm that we cause others because of our ignorance, because of our identification with ego and egoic emotion, you don't think that's real? You think all that's just illusion? Yes, on some level, everything is illusion. Everything is maya. But all of that is a projection of ego. An illusion can't create an illusion because your experience of the illusion is real. The false self, the ego, the singular ego, the singular I, that is an illusion. We have no single uh, ego. There's no such thing as we don't, we do not have one ego. We have thousands of egos. That's the truth. And if we observe ourselves and know ourselves, we will know it to be true. Which brings us to the back to the trials and tribulations and tests. Why we suffer. We suffer because suffering is a gift. The tests, the trials, and ordeals that we experience are there to 
revealed to us because our egos react to the circumstances and egos will always react differently based on circumstances they are reactive entities in that sense and because circumstances change circumstances are always different now they might be similar we might find ourselves repeating the same patterns over and over again and confronting the same uh, generally or similar circumstances over and over again but that's related to karma and that's related to the fact that we keep failing the test when we keep having the same thing happen to us over and over and over again like a broken record our entire life and we say why does this always happen to me it always happens to you is because that's what you need to happen to you because you haven't learned your lesson you keep failing the test but your innermost your true self needs to pass that test but why or how do we pass these tests there are two important things to remember when it comes to initiations when it comes to these tests and trials ordeals initiations in the supernal worlds do not belong to you they do not belong to me you and I do not receive initiations we experience tests trials and ordeals here at our level that relate to us because we have ego and those egos need to be annihilated those egos need to be eliminated why because the consciousness is bottled up inside of them that consciousness is our true self and because those egos through identification and through ignorance through hypnosis those egos steal our sexual force and make it flow down and out instead of up and in So these seven serpents, these seven snakes risen behind the Buddha, our egos cause those serpents to fall down and out. And they crystallize what is known as the Kunda buffer organ in esotericism. But generally, we understand it as or it's symbolized as my god that's as good as any right 
this is how this is what the kunda buffer organ is or how we understand it right that's what's symbolized all around the world that's the symbol for demons every illustration of every demon has them having a tail that's represents the fallen kundalini the energy that's flowing down and out and that expression to be down and out comes directly from esotericism when lust and greed and gluttony and laziness and fear feed on our energy and that energy is lost to them it's consumed they always keep coming back for more they're never satisfied that's why no desire can be satisfied you can never satisfy your lust ever ever it'll always return and if you have observed yourself you will know that it always wants just a little bit more it always just wants one more scoop of ice cream or one more whatever always pushing the boundaries and pushing the limits because it always wants more and it comes back for more and it comes the de desires come back with a vengeance so we have this uh circumstance then We have this circumstance of um, facing the reality, which is very real. That our energy, which is precious, it is our divine mother and our choice by our choices we determine whether we allow the divine feminine force inside of us to be made into an angel or a demon traditionally in theology for example, in Christian theology, Judeo-Christian theology, by our actions, we determine whether the divine feminine force inside of us is made a virgin or a whore, i.e. the whore of Babylon, which causes the Tower of Babel to fall. Those are our decisions, our choices that determine that outcome. And the choices we make are in moment by moment 
in our life. Those are the tests and trials and ordeals at each and every moment. And it's very easy to say, well, but I practice meditation and I study all this, this uh, esotericism. But what difference does studying make? You can fill your head with every esoteric book on the planet. And many people have, and many people do. And they fill their shelves and they're very proud of their esoteric library, very proud of all of the esoteric books that they have and that they've read or the websites that they have studied and the lectures that they have listened to and on and on and on and on and on. That's all just filling your head. And the mind is the mental body. But in us, that mental body is lunar, meaning it is under the control of the egos. The egos being mechanical nature, because the egos work for mechanical nature. And mechanical nature is governed by the moon. That is why our mind reacts automatically, not consciously. Why we react emotionally, automatically and not consciously and why sensations and uh, uh, happen in us automatically because that's mechanical nature like the knee-jerk reaction so when you're observing your mind and you watch your mind running off on non sequiturs or jumping from one idea to another idea to another idea all by itself and you can observe that you can observe your mind doing that all by itself you know that you have a mechanical mind in the hands of egos and precisely the different egos competing with one another are pushing one ego aside and presenting something new in its place and then that ego wants your attention and wants to, your, to, to grab your attention and wants you to identify with whatever it is it's feeding you through your mind. And then another ego will come along and knock it off its, its uh, seat, out of the hot seat, and take its place and give you a new idea or a fantasy or something to think about, to dwell on, to identify with. And the egos always present themselves as I in order to hypnotize you and get you to believe that the machinations of your mind are actually who and what you are, that they belong to you, that they are a part of you. And they are a part of you because you created them. You created the causes of them. We all created our own egos. Egos are a product of our past mistakes. And they are the reason why circumstances appear in our life, which test us. Because just because we made past mistakes doesn't mean that there's no opportunity for redemption. 
But to redeem ourselves, we must demonstrate that we have learned our lesson. This brings us to the three factors of evolution and revolution of the consciousness. The first factor is birth of the human soul. That's the creation of the solar bodies. That's the raising of the Kundalini. These seven serpents. Raising the Kundalini and crystallizing the risen Kundalini in each of our seven solar bodies. To become a bodhisattva. To awaken, we only we need to reach the fifth initiation of major mysteries. So the vital body, the astral body, the mental body, and the causal body. Oh, and the physical body. When we crystallize the solar causal body, then we've crystallized the human soul. But just because that we've crystallized the human soul and our other solar bodies doesn't mean that we can use them. So birth is only one factor. The creation of these solar bodies is only one factor. We have to awaken the consciousness because it is the consciousness which belongs to our true self, which can use the bodies of the supernal worlds in the same way that the ego uses our physical body and the ego uses our lunar bodies. And the more we feed ego, the more our bodies become lunar. And when we dream, for example, when you go to bed, if you dream, you're using your lunar astral body. And when you're watching your mind jump around like a chicken with its head cut off, or like a a pinball in a pinball machine, you're observing your lunar mental body. So the second factor must be death. It must be. Why? Because how do our egos occupy our bodies and use our bodies against us to steal our sexual energy precisely because they get our attention. They cause us to fall asleep. 
They cause us to daydream, to identify, to fall into hypnosis, to believe the lies that they present to us as fact. In fact, that is the very nature of belief. So the consciousness, our consciousness, is bottled up inside of the egos. And we have thousands of egos. And each and every one of them is vying to get our attention all the time. Is vying for the, they're playing a game of king of the hill to get to the pinnacle. That's where they, that's when they get to control us. That's when they get to have their way with us. And they present themselves as an I. So that when you, what comes to your mind or what comes to your body or what comes to your emotion is, I want this, I don't want that. That statement, I want this, or I don't want that, those very words or that feeling is an ego working through your lunar mental body or your lunar emotional body or your physical body. But in order to know that, we have to be observing ourselves. We have to be observant of that. We have to see that happening. But how do we see that happening? If our egos, for the most part, are having their way with us in our subconscious mind. So, for example, at night when we dream and we're traveling in our lunar astral body and the egos are having their way with us and we, we have we have we can have nightmares or we have fantasies or we have wet dreams or any number of experiences while we dream that we're not in control of. Well, who's in control? Our egos are. But also during the day. Have you ever been driving on the highway and all of a sudden you wake up and you realize that 50 miles have passed and you don't have a single memory of the last 50 miles? That's because you've been asleep. You've been daydreaming while you were driving. And you don't remember for 50 miles what egos were having their way with you and how, with what thoughts, with what fantasies, with what beliefs, with what lies. You don't know. You were asleep because you were, they were having their way with you and you were identified with them. But you have no memory because you're you weren't conscious. You were you were asleep. You're on autopilot. So the only way 
that we can become conscious and aware and actually understand how our egos play with us, how our egos take advantage of us. Because we have to watch them like a hawk. That means watching ourselves like a hawk. Being the observer of ourselves. Because consciousness is observance. It's observation. We have to be in observation of ourselves. Consciousness is a conduit. It is a medium of, of truth. But it needs to, it must be awake in order for it to work. It must be objective. If it is bottled up inside of an ego, then it's subjective. And it's colored with all manner of beliefs and conditioned ideas and concepts and that's why it is said in modern contemporary times in post-modernist theory they say there's no such thing as objective knowing because everything is subjective that's because they're referring to ego knowledge they're referring to ego mind and ego intellect So observing ourselves is the first step. And the test trials and ordeals we face are precisely what is required to bring egos to the surface where we can actually see them and see how they cause suffering for us and for others. So that annoying neighbor or that annoying co-worker or that uh, partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, when they do that certain thing that drives us crazy, it drives us crazy. Oh, why do they keep doing that? It's a test. It's an ordeal that we live with or that we face constantly. Why? For whose benefit? Precisely for our benefit. The things that drive us crazy about other people keep happening because it's not the thing that the other person does that drives us crazy. It's our reaction to what they do. That drives us crazy. That person is just doing what they're doing. They're just, they're just being. Or they're being in their own ego. They're lost in their own ego. Which in that case, the correct response is compassion. If you see somebody who's in ego and they're doing something that's causing them suffering and causing others suffering. then they're an ego, and the correct response is compassion. Not anger, not frustration, not, not, oh my God, why this again? Well, why this again? It's precisely because it bothers you. Why does it bother you? Why? 
And the ego can come up with a million excuses and rationalizations and justifications for why we should be bothered. But that's all that that's all that is. That's just rationalization. And the ego, as you know, can rationalize every crime under the sun. Every criminal activity that has ever been done has been rationalized in one way, shape, or form. Just turn on the news. Just listen to a politician speak. Just observe yourself, your own mind. Just observe the chat that's been going nonstop, basically, since we began. If you need to see, but most importantly, observe yourself. Because we don't need or want you to listen to us or believe us. That's the last thing that we want. What we long for is for you to know yourself because everything that we are sharing with you, you can verify via your own experience, not your thoughts, not your beliefs, not your conditioned ideas, not that what you've read in other books or what you've listened in lectures or what you studied in other schools, but what you have experienced for yourself. And if you haven't experienced it for yourself yet, then observe yourself objectively and you will experience it. And then you will know that everything that we are sharing with you is based in objective reality. But if that's it, but it's a reality that you need to experience for yourself. And it's a reality that you need to work with yourself. It's not enough to believe in it. It's not enough to listen to these lectures and either believe or disbelieve what you've heard today and walk away and say, oh yeah, I understand all that. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that makes total sense and go on living your life and not making any changes. Or coming and listening to this talk and, and uh, spending all of your time reacting with what you want to say and deciding that, oh, no, you know what? I don't believe any of this. This is all just nonsense, whatever, and walk away that way and not test, not verify for yourself the veracity of what's being said today. Because today, in fact, not just today, this entire weekend for us has been a series of tests, trials, and ordeals, vivid ones, one after another, after another, after another, including the technical problems that we had at the beginning of this live stream, Facebook not working, uh, our microphone not working, and uh, people waiting for the live stream to begin and, and nothing was working. 
but that's nothing compared to the other tests that we had on Friday and yesterday. It was just, just been one after another, after another, after another, after another. And so to have the opportunity for new people to be coming watching these live streams and to uh, challenge what's being said, that too is a test. But the test must be conducted by the person doing the challenging. You see, I cannot verify any of this for you. That's not my job. It's an impossible job. That would be like expecting me to explain to you what living in Japan is like. And you expecting me to pass along to you an experience of living in Japan such that you can comprehend it on the same level that I can because I actually lived there for about a year. Now, that is a complete ludicrosity. It's completely ridiculous. It is an impossibility. No one, no one can create for somebody else an experience that they haven't gone through themselves. I've lived in Japan. I have my experience living in Japan. I can tell you about those experiences. But there's absolutely no way I can prove to you that I had them. Nor is there a way for me to make you comprehend what it was like for me to live there. In fact, you will never know. Because even if you go and live in Japan for a year, your experience is going to be uniquely yours. But at least when you return, you will be able to say, yep, I went to Japan and I understand much of what you were talking about, about Japan, because I went and I experienced it for myself. Your experience of Japan is going to be different from my experience of Japan, but we will be able to completely agree that Japan exists. And, and as we have a conversation about Japan, we will be able to agree on many, 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 many shared experiences. Even though, and we will enjoy exchanging those experiences precisely because our experiences will be slightly different. Our experiences will be unique to us. But there will be, they will be framed 
and there will be enough commonality between them that we will recognize them as shared as uh, related as being shared so you may have um, heard of the Salvador Mundi if you do a Google search for Salvador Mundi right there are many 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 copies many versions of the Salvador Mundi but the reason why they know that Leonardo da Vinci painted a painting called the Salvador Mundi is because of all the copies there are countless copies through the years countless versions of the Salvador Mundi and then there's the one that they claim is the real one whether or not it's real is um is frankly still up for debate but there are many 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 versions and copies of the salvador mundi so we know that leonardo da vinci painted the salvador mundi because all these other lesser artists copied it made their own version of it but then somehow it, the original got lost Someone uh, photoshopped an interesting. Uh... <coughs> this is actually they they made an NFT uh, of this. Anyway, <coughs> that's neither here nor there. But we can recognize, even looking at the copies, what the subject matter is, and we can recognize the foundation of it, the origin, the origin of all of those copies. So to test anything that you've heard, you have to go and experience it for yourself. You have to see it for yourself, the nature of egos. And how the circumstances of your life keep triggering the same causes of suffering. Why? Because you keep experiencing the same things that bring up the same emotions, the same anger, fear, pride, greed, lust, gluttony, vanity, and all the rest of it. Comprehension of ourselves, of our egos, are the first step to eliminating them. Now, who eliminates them? Our Divine Mother. Our Divine Mother can eliminate our egos, but only those egos which we have comprehended. And if we are wasting her sexual energy, if we are not practicing pranayama, if we're not practicing transmutation, if we're not practicing the transformation of impressions and the transformation of energy, then we won't have any energy to work with to incinerate the egos that we've comprehended. We will be wasting it. She will have nothing in reserve for to work with 
to help us eliminate the egos, even if we comprehend them. So birth and death are two sides of the same coin. We must comprehend the mythological symbol of the phoenix, the phoenix which is consumed in flames, then rises from the ashes. Those flames are the fires of the divine feminine force inside of us. And they can consume our egos. So what rises from the ashes? Free consciousness, our true self. And it is that consciousness, that free consciousness, that we can work with in the supernal worlds. It is that free consciousness that has uh, not just not just compassion for self and, and for others, but conscience. The ability to receive information from the supernal worlds, from our innermost intimate Christ. Because consciousness is a medium. It's an energy, it's a, but a higher frequency energy. It's like, it's like when they talk about cell phones and there's 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, and 5G. Let's not talk about 5G as a weapon and all that nonsense. But clearly, the bandwidth of 4G was greatly improved over 2G and even 3G. We can think about consciousness in a very crude way on that level. That yes, the reason why we have compassion for others is because that compassion is flowing through us, through our superior heart center. That superior heart center is the solar astral body. Compassion can't flow through the lunar center because if it does, if it's trying to flow through our, our uh, superior heart center, but then the egos grab a hold of it and filter it, it's going to come across as something else. It's going to be self-serving compassion. It will not be genuine. It will not be selfless. And this brings us to the third factor. And the third factor is sacrifice. What must die within us is the self that we are identified with. This vessel, this vehicle, and all of its conditioned beliefs about itself, all of its, all of our desires, our cravings and aversions, all of our ideas and beliefs and, and 
everything that we identify with and everything that we are attached to. All of that must be let go. But what defines sacrifice is precisely selflessness, selflessness. One cannot sacrifice oneself if one is holding on to everything that what one holds dear. If you're holding on to something, no, but this is mine and it's precious to me, like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, what he calls his precious. How do you expect yourself to be compassionate? How do you expect yourself to give of yourself? To give up yourself? Because it's very easy or relatively easy to give up sugar or give up caffeine or give up... um, you know, whatever vice or bad habit or, you know, that's relatively easy to do. But give up your anger? Give up your fear? Give up your greed? Give up your mystic pride? Give up your beliefs that you have about who you are and where you are on the path? Give up your belief that you will one day walk in the supernal worlds forever. Give up the orgasm. It's a test. There's a test for you. What are you willing to give up on your so-called spiritual path, on your so-called spiritual journey? To be one with the source of love, to be one with the source of truth, to be one with the light, to truly be one with it, to become it by allowing it to become you. What are you willing to give up in order to make that happen? Take a piece of paper, divide it in half, and on the left-hand side, make a list of all the things that you're not willing to give up, all the things that are precious to you. And on the right-hand side, Write all the things that are precious to you, but that you are willing to give up. No one is going to ask you for that paper. I'm not going to ask you for that paper. No one is going to ask you for that paper. But take this test, because it is a test. Test yourself and be honest 
with yourself. No one is going to be marking the paper but you. What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to die? Are you willing to give up your life? To give up the name that you have? Your workplace? All your possessions? The life that you know? In order to live the life that you came here to live? Are you willing to die psychologically? Are you willing to give up this personality? these beliefs and all the things that you identify with. Are you willing to make the, the supreme sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice that Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and Moses and all of the Bodhisattva who have walked this earth? Because they all showed us the way. And look at the tests and trials and ordeals they faced. Now, you might not be here on the path of the Bodhisattva, and that's fine. But Jesus said, if anyone would be with me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, if anybody wants to be with me, all they need to do is believe in me. What effort goes into believing? Little children believe in Santa Claus. People believe that they're going to win the lottery. People believe they're politicians. What effort? This universe is based on cause and effect, is based on the great law of karma. Nothing happens that doesn't have its prerequisite cause. And when we contemplate what it means to be one with the Christ, even for a brief moment, just a, just a snapshot in time, It's the whole reason why we published uh, this poem on our blog. For the express reason of making whatever attempt we could, pathetic attempt it was, as it was, to, to express what it was like, the experience of being touched by the Christ. The influx of, of light, of love, of energy, of, of pure force
And it was only for a, a few moments, minutes, perhaps, but those minutes felt like an eternity. Zazel says, it is impossible to describe indeed. It is impossible to describe. However, it is what faith really is. Faith is not belief. That's a lie. That's a, that's a de degeneration of the word faith. Faith is not belief. Yes, you can have personal faith. Faith is very personal, very intimate, but it's based on your experience. It's based on an, your own personal, individual experience with your own innermost, intimate, immortal beloved. Now, luckily... There is still one way in which the true meaning of the word faith is preserved in the English language. And that is in the expression to be faithful to your spouse. To be faithful, to be full of faith in regards to your spouse. Now, to be faithful means something very specific. It means to have intimate knowledge of your spouse to the exclusion of all others. It's very personal to have intimate knowledge of your spouse, to be, have intimate knowledge of your mortal beloved. That's what being faithful really means and not only and, and th that is the definition of faithful that is used in a court of law for example when a couple is getting divorced on the basis that their spouse was unfaithful to them that is the legal term as well as the actual meaning of faith to have intimate knowledge of another For ourselves, spiritually speaking, it has the same meaning. To have faith, to be full of faith, to be faithful to our innermost being, to our innermost intimate Christ, to the God inside of us, requires intimate knowledge of them. Believing is not intimate knowledge. Self-evident experiential knowledge, gnosis, is true faith. And that's what we are here sharing and encouraging all of you to go and seek for yourself through yourself within yourself and through yourself because 
true faith lies within by knowing yourself to give birth to the human soul to create the solar bodies and that is a process that is that is an alchemical process a metaphysical scientific process of transmuting the sexual force and using it to create the solar vessels the solar bodies but that's only one aspect that's only the birth aspect but birth without death is empty and those vessels you can create them but if you're not eliminating your ego then you're not freeing the consciousness that can actually occupy and make use of those vessels if you're familiar with the real estate situation in china you know that the ccp went a little overboard in their uh population projections they've built entire cities and we mean entire cities with apartment blocks with high-speed rail with mega super highways complete cities and they are complete ghost towns the ccp anticipated and thought well, well we're going to build if we build these cities and all these companies from the west and everyone they're going to come here they're going to move here and the workers are going to come and it, right but they were wrong and uh Safit says, yeah, wasn't that because of financing methods? You know, that's an interesting thing. If it was because of financing methods, now you know how mystic pride and how many, many, many people on the esoteric path are mistaken. And they can even, they can even have a, a spouse and be practicing white tantra and creating the solar bodies. But it's a financing issue. The currency is being used and being allowed to be used to create the solar bodies, but the people aren't showing up. It's all a sham. It's a scam. Somebody somewhere is getting something out of it. So who do you think is getting something? What do you... or? within you what do you think is benefiting from you just creating your solar bodies but not eliminating the egos it's self-evident naturally it's the egos who benefit if you don't eliminate them and there are many 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 people many people practicing white tantra they're creating their solar bodies they might even be observing themselves 
but they're not eliminating their ego. They're not comprehending their ego. They're not meditating on their egos. They're not comprehending their egos, and so they are not eliminating their egos. And then a very, very, very clever ego of mystic pride is manipulating them, having them focus only on birth, 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 white tantra, white tantra, white tantra, create the solar bodies, create the solar bodies, create the solar bodies. But but that uh, mystic pride prevents them or blocks them from seeing the other side of the coin which is death. And especially doesn't want them to think about sacrifice. To very well-intentioned, well-meaning people who are creating a ghost town and empty empty vessels that were that are going to remain empty. Now, the opposite is also possible. That's where someone eliminates her egos and awakens their consciousness, but they don't create their solar bodies. They don't create the vessel to hold and to make use of that consciousness in the supernal worlds. It's like training to become an astronaut and training your whole life and studying and being in top physical form and, and every, and, and knowing all the, all the uh, 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 science and all the astronomy and all the physics and everything else you have to, to know to be an astronaut and forgetting the spacesuit. I'm forgetting the spaceship. So an example of that is Yogananda. Yogananda awakened his consciousness, but he never, he didn't know about the importance of white Tantra. Or he knew about it, he just didn't think it was important because uh, he was just following the mystic path. And he, for whatever reason, he created his, he freed his consciousness, but he didn't create the solar body. So... Unfortunately, he's not in the supernal worlds. So there, that was a case where he was all focused on, on, on the death aspect of liberating the consciousness. And you will find that many yogis around the world They, they are, for example, masters of their physical body. And they can wrap their, their legs around their head and they can go months and months and even years without eating, without speaking, without sleeping, without moving. They, they, they become masters of their physical body. And they can quiet their mind and they can awaken their consciousness and they can do all these things but they did it by themselves up on a mountain 
and therefore they never practiced white tantra and so they never created the solar bodies and very importantly crucially they took the path of the ascetic the one who begs if anything right and doesn't sacrifice for others you can't sacrifice for others on top of a mountain well there are ways but again those ways are not focused on yourself and not focused on perfecting how long you can go without eating and how long you can go without you know sleeping and wrapping your legs around your head and doing all these incredible physical feats which they think is 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 a sign of how how high a level they have acquired how high a level they have achieved no they haven't achieved that level you know the buddha showed us to raise the kundalini in all of your seven bodies on up the 33 vertebrae of all seven bodies there have been well many 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 chats going through um since the beginning but just in the last few minutes as azil says i was in a temple in which i was king i grew tired of being in that temple so i left my crown on the throne and flew away from that temple to a graveyard ready to lie down in a grave to die and he prefaced that comment by saying i'm willing to give up pride i had a dream that made that very clear uh that dream is not about pride it's more than just pride the temple is a symbol temple is a symbol of your self you are the temple your I you're the Lord of your temple and you had a dream that you're ready to lay down in a grave to die who's going to take your place in the temple on the throne who's going to wear the crown it's more than just pride it's ego yes ego you yourself the dream is an indication that you are willing and ready to die but before you can do that you have to surrender because long before we die like you have to dig that grave you have to go to that graveyard and start digging that grave but through that whole process somebody must be looking after the temple 
somebody must be ruling the kingdom in your stead as you prepare your grave. That somebody is your innermost, your intuition, your inspiration, your imagination, your uh, information which you receive through your superior mental center. So yes, pride is definitely a part of it, but it's not just pride. It's everything else. Remember that dreams, um, not always, but very often are symbolic. They're emblematic. They're not necessarily to be um, interpreted just literally. Uh, we're going to read this. Sephet uh, says, by the will of God, it must be. I don't own anyone, owe anyone anything beside my children, but almost every party I was involved in owes me money. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, that was the message. My innermost, hopefully. <laughs> well, here's how you know, Azazel. Um, because you are the ego. So when you find yourself on the throne, when you find yourself putting the crown back on and saying, I must do this, I must be in control, I must be the one. We'll give you an example. We'll give you an example. So um, we know that there's been a many, many, many things in the chat. We normally, we usually read all the chats, but um, today has been a little different. Uh, it's been another test. So as you may know, we have been working on a video for the Atlas Project, an introductory video. And we said a few weeks ago that uh, our new target was less than 10 minutes, that uh, we don't think we can get it less than five. And we had been working on and working on and working on. We also, um, revealed something which had come to us, which was the bicycle analogy. A simple, straightforward analogy that can explain what it is, what our life's work is, what it is that we're here to do, and how we are here to do it for everyone and anyone, and not just those on the spiritual path. Because there's nothing, uh, there's nothing which, there's nothing which bars individuals who, you know, are not coming from a, a religious background or spiritual background from being able to know themselves, discover themselves and, and, and 
and work toward fulfilling their destiny, the thing that they were born to do, the thing that will bring them genuine fulfillment and true happiness, true peace, joy, and happiness, and improve the world. In, in other words, help others in the process of going through that process. They will, by definition, become, quote, spiritual, but we don't have to frame everything in that way all the time. We do and we don't. So this video is a way of um, expressing the practical, real world realities around why we suffer and why so much is going wrong in the world and why we can't seem to get a handle on things as individuals and as collectives, as nations, political parties, political systems, um, um, you know, and, and the world as a whole, at all, at every single level, you know, companies, organizations, uh, spiritual communities, non-spiritual communities, it's everything seems to be going haywire. And we had talked about the analogy of a bicycle versus a unicycle. But there was something missing. There was something missing and we didn't know what it was. We knew something was missing, but we didn't know what that something was. And so we had no choice. I had no choice but to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. One week passed, two weeks passed, three weeks passed nothing. And I couldn't continue working on the video without having this key that I knew I needed, but I didn't have it in my hand. I knew it was out there while well, it was in here somewhere, but I, 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 I just, I just hadn't been given it. And then we had a conversation with an individual which uh, inspired one of our live streams. And then the next couple weeks later, we had another conversation with that individual. And the conversation went very differently. And the next day, as we were contemplating and meditating on the conversation we had, the key showed up. Because her experience was the key, was the missing link. For, for us to have witnessed it and to navigate it and to have navigated those stormy waters together with her, guiding her, helping her find her own lighthouse in the storm, that experience 
was the backdrop, the foundation, and the framework for us to be able to, in a flash, receive what was missing from our analogy. And then it all just came together. And so now we can continue working on that video and complete it, in fact, where we're hoping, unless there's something else that is going to come to us that there's missing. But for the, the time being, at least, what was missing showed up. But three weeks passed. And that was all well and good. But then the next day, we had a very intense, compacted, very intense experience where plans that we had made with someone, an agreement that we had made with someone was revealed to us that that person no longer was honoring that agreement and things had changed, plans, plans change. And they were being very vague about it. And in fact, completely contradictory. I was asking them a very specific question and we're not going to share you ex the exact details, but imagine asking someone, um, did you remember to get some milk? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I went to the store. I did the shopping. Yes. But did you bring the milk? No, no, oh, I forgot the milk. So you didn't get the milk? No, no, I did. I went shopping. I went shopping. So you did get the milk? No, 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 I didn't get any milk. For five minutes, five minutes. That's how the interaction went, the conversation went. The agreed upon plan was to get the milk. That's what I was asking about. Five minutes. It was like the Abbott and Costello routine. Who's on first? And all the while, right, I was asking this question. I, I wanted a straight answer. I just wanted to know, do we have milk or don't we have milk? And I could not get a straight answer out of this person. And it was this vague runaround. And then in the end, I was being blamed for my pure, for, for having poor communication. And then on top of it, I got a five minute lecture about, because what it actually turned out that in fact, um, that in fact, uh, no, she didn't get any milk. But you know, you you can't be so you can't walk around with an iron helmet. And we got a big long lecture about how we can't be so connected to our plans and connected to our our agreements. And we have to be, you know, we have to be more loosey-goosey and and let it slide and da, da, da. And we got a big long lecture about that. Now, again, full disclosure, complete honesty. This very intense, very compact situation was testing us in a way that we cannot reasonably put into words. Our legs were shaking. 
what was welling up inside of us was like a plume of hot magma that was just waiting to explode with anger and frustration. With the sheer grace of God, we were able to breathe and contain ourselves. Our legs were shaking, quivering, like literally shaking. We know our demon. We know its ways. We know what it was up to. And we know what it was getting ready to do. We know what it was about to do. We know we know exactly what we were dealing with. And the big long lecture we received about uh, not uh, needing to wear an iron cap all the time, that iron cap expression is a Hungarian expression. But as it turns out, we heard from someone else who we shared this experience with. She said, no, no, that's a Turkish expression too, which is interesting because the Ottoman Empire occupied Hungary for several hundred years. So there was obviously a cross-cultural connection there because the Turks say the same thing. Don't Don't wear an iron hat. Uh, no, no, um, uh, it wasn't pride and it wasn't narcissism. What it was was fear. Yeah, it was fear. Because number one, if you've read our article on the many faces of fear, or if you've ever watched The Empire Strikes Back, you know from Yoda that fear turns to anger. And uh, you know from earlier in tonight's live stream, but certainly um, fear is what desires comfort and security, and fear desires control, control in the moment, control of the outcome. I wanted an answer to my question. That question, that answer became like a MacGuffin in a movie. If you don't know the expression, a MacGuffin is that thing that they're trying, they're, they're looking for, that piece of the puzzle, or that, you know, that it's the thing that 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 drives the uh, the plot uh, uh, forward. And um, as Azil says, now how did that relate to the answer? The answer was it didn't matter. The answer didn't matter, milk or no milk. The the question was moot. It didn't matter. And what mattered was my obsession over getting the answer to the question based on an agreement which which was made weeks and weeks and weeks ago, which now was irrelevant. The agreement was irrelevant. The question was irrelevant. The answer was irrelevant. We weren't actually talking about milk. I'm using that as an example so that I don't have to reveal uh, publicly the actual circumstances. But suffice it to say, they say don't cry over spilled milk. The stakes were much, 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 much higher much higher 
than whether or not did you get did whether or not you bought milk regardless i went because i was i didn't blow up and i didn't cause a nuclear explosion and, and, a, and a meltdown with this individual and which would have spilled over and affected more than just the two of us um i was able to i had some chores to do and as i was doing those chores you know physical activity uh moving the body and especially when you have anger and things pent up when you feel when you feel things in your body uh uh physical activity is good for for exercising the the negative energy right getting 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 a hold of getting a hold of yourself and getting but it's also if you're doing menial tasks menial labor you still want to pay attention to what you're doing but we use it as an opportunity to be a kind of meditation a working meditation because we needed the physicality we couldn't we couldn't lie down and meditate on this because our, our legs were shaking our whole body was quaking our mind would have been just racing and racing and racing and racing and racing with 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 oh my god and you know I, I can't believe that she said that and she had the nerve and she had the gall to lecture me about communication when she was the one doing that when she was the cause of the abbott and costello routine yeah the battle of who takes the crown right it's a game of thrones that's what it is that's what the game of thrones is the game of thrones is in here and in here and in our physical body we are the iron throne we we are that we are westeros and yes and yes just like in that show which we never watched we only watched one episode and there was enough soft porn in it that we didn't we that we weren't going to be watching it again but we know how much soft porn was in that show and how much violence and sex and and conniving and backstabbing and all that that's all happening inside of us that's all happening that's the real nature of our psychology and so when we finally calm down and 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 it suddenly became clear to us like crystal clear it, it came to us right it came to me it was a test to see if it was the intense short-term compressed test to see if I had learned my lesson about the video and about waiting right and, and about not being tempted to put on the crown three weeks waiting for an answer and the answer didn't come but that answer I was waiting for for my innermost so of course and I wasn't I wasn't and he wasn't teasing me and he wasn't getting into a Abbott and Costello routine with me he was just silent and I know from experience that that means for whatever reason I'm not ready to receive that information yet so I waited and waited and waited and then finally the information came but in this circumstance I wasn't looking for the information from my innermost I wanted a simple answer to a simple question based on an agreement based on a promise that this individual had made but it was my 
expectations, my attachments to that person's promise, my identification with the desire for the answer to the question, my desire to control the outcome. I wanted an answer and I wasn't getting it. What I was getting was an Abbott and Costello routine and a lecture. Okay. And it was very intense and the stakes were enormous. The stakes were absolutely lives were at stake. Lives were at stake. Seriously, in all seriousness. That's why I can't elaborate on the details. There's a reason why we had made an agreement. No, it wasn't very inhumane of that person at all. That is the wrong way to look at this. It was a test for me. My own divine mother set it up. And you know who gave me the five-minute lecture? It was my divine mother speaking through this person about not wearing the iron hat. She was right. She was right. What kind of ridiculous, crazy thing to, to allow something to get to a head and get into such a dangerous place when so much was at stake, relax, go with the flow. It was okay. It's okay. It's okay. It turned out it was all, it was all just for nothing. It was all based in fear. The whole making the plan with this person at the beginning was also based in fear because the stakes were so high. We were afraid of doing the wrong thing. So we made a plan. We made an agreement to do it a certain way. And then on the, on the, on the, on the eve of actually doing it, not the eve of the, like the actual moment of truth, are we still, are we still okay with the plan? We're still going ahead with the plan. You know, what plan? What do you mean? What plan? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going on with a plan. No, no. But are we going wrong with the plan? No, 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 no. We're not going with that plan. What? Was it was so, but it's funny. It's Abbott and Costello. It's funny. It is funny. In hindsight, it is funny. And it is funny. I am, I do wear an iron hat. And, and in many ways, it's hypocritical of me that I wear an iron hat. I, I'm the one on Facebook. That's equating the false self and the true self to, to the Iron Man suit and Tony Stark. I'm the one that's asking people to, you know what, relax, relax about, you know, Hinduism and Buddhism and the Bhagavad Gita and the, the Bible and, you know, all the scriptures and Blavatsky and Master Samael and all the things they said about do it this way and this way and this way and this way and this way. You know, what? I'm, I'm the one. Who's here saying, you know, kind of relax about that. Watch Star Wars. But watch it this way. Watch The Lion King. It's all there. It's all in The Lion King. It's all in, it's all in Star Wars. The Skywalker Saga. 
There it is. You want to understand your relationship to your true self? Watch Iron Man. Just understand that you're the Iron Man suit and your personality is Jarvis. But who's the true superhero? Is it the suit? Or is it the, or is it the guy who invented the suit? Is it the guy who pilots the suit? Is it the guy who tells Jarvis what to do and Jarvis does it? Is it the genius inside? Now, what happens when that genius's ego gets involved? Because he's got a big ego. And that ego takes over the suit? Well, we get a corrupted Iron Man suit. That's called Ultron. Ultron is the one who says, me, 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 me. So I'm asking a big ask for people on the spiritual path. And I'm talking about Lord of the Rings. I'm talking about, you know, the Matrix and all these. I prayed like two, like last week, two weeks ago, we talked about pray. I'm the one who's saying, look, we're in the age of Aquarius. Let's Let's be flexible. And how often... Have you heard me and seen me online and in Facebook being inflexible with people? And and demanding that things be a certain way. So I, you know, I this this was a big test for me. In fact, just today when the technology wasn't behaving, so look, I've got my expensive. Uh, I've got my expensive uh, 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 professional mic here. That's not what's. That's not what's being used right now. It doesn't work. And uh, Facebook didn't work, so I had to cancel that and reboot it. So I won't be able to share it, or like it, it can't be shared anymore because that was deleted. I don't know if I'll be able to share this one, but it won't have a nice cover story, uh, graphic or anything. I don't even know. I, I have no idea what it's going to look like. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It happens. What's that expression? Shit happens. Go with the flow. It is what it is. It is what it is. We've talked about it. We've talked about it before. It's one of the most powerful mantras. Use it as a mantra. It's one of the most, most powerful mantras you will ever use in your life. It is what it is. And why is it the most powerful mantra you will ever use in life? Because I am that I am. Aheye Asher Aheye is the holy name of God. I am that I am. So when you say it is what it is, and you mean it, you say it consciously, not mechanically, not automatically, not as a reaction, not as a clever thing to say, not as a... No, you say it consciously. It is what it is, and that is all. Add that last bit. It's too easy to say, oh, shit happens. No, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't ever say that. When you say shit happens, you're equating God with shit. Not a good idea. Better to say, it is what it is, and that is all. Who is the all? The all in Allah. The great all, the almighty. The everything, the universe, the all, the omnipresent, omniscient, 
all, the absolute, the great I am that I am. He's everywhere. He's in everything. And our divine mother is the one who is orchestrating the events in our life. So when it when we say it is what it is, we are recognizing and remembering our innermost divine mother, our innermost God, who is arranging the tests, trials, and ordeals in our life. Why? So that we can be unite as one in true faith to know them intimately, our intimate, innermost, immortal beloved. So when you feel the anger, the rage, whatever reactions are bubbling up inside of you, remember your divine mother. Observe yourself. Observe what is what is attacking you, what's trying to drag you down, what's trying to take your energy and spill it down and out. Was trying to get you to make the same mistakes that you've done in the past. Observe that and recognize that and say, what is that? Is that fear? Is that pride? In the moment, we didn't even know what it was. We couldn't tell you what it was, but we could, but we felt the anger. All we knew is it was the demon. We knew it because we know ourselves. We we've we've we know ourselves enough to know that. We know we know this feeling, this slow, swelling, building, slowly building up pressure, this, 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 yeah, like this magma explosion just waiting to erupt. And we know that fear turns to anger. We know it was the demon, right? We know ourselves. We know what haunts us. We know what we live with. We know its ways. We know that this was a, t- we know that it was a test. We had the we had the awareness, the consciousness that it was a, a trial and ordeal that we were facing in that moment, and we knew who the adversary was, even though it was in our in our emotional center, in our physical body, and in our mind. And for several minutes afterwards. It was racing in our mind. How dare she say that about us? And blah blah blah. And this and that. And blah blah blah. And how dare she talk to us about that? And 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 where does she get off saying that we have a communication problem and we need to work on our communication when, when 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 she was absolutely driving us mental, right? So, and then the same thing. Only this time it was a computer. It it, it was it was not a it was a completely mechanical arbitrary thing guaranteed guaranteed when we're done this live stream and we're finished this microphone is going to work perfectly and we're never going to have a we're never going to have a problem like this again with the live streams this is this is a one time our entire the last what three four days and the weeks leading up to these three four days our innermost being is undergoing an initiation of fire or perhaps an initiation of water each of our trials that we face will have or may have a uh an element associated with it because the initiations in the supernal worlds 
um, are related to different elements. And the only reason why we say that the test um, that we were sharing with you, the trial we were sharing was one of fire was because of the, the anger that was, and, and we even described it as magma, as this volcano. Um, but if we look at the different ways in which um, this same test had been, has been playing out for us, um, then we can see that each test had a kind of different element associated with it. So each initiation has to uh, to put this another way, our innermost being is undergoing these initiations, but our innermost being has 12 individuated aspects. The 12 signs of the zodiac are all integrated and as they, they as one as our innermost being. And so each one of those 12 has to undergo the initiation and each one of those 12 as all the 12 signs of the zodiac are associated with one of the uh, um, uh, four elements and each one is associated with one of the seven planets and some with multiple planets. So the, the times at which these trials take place, there might be astrological and astronomical anomalies which can give us insight into the true nature of the trials and tests and ordeals that we that we are undergoing here but understand that our innermost being is undergoing these trials in the supernal worlds and and that when there is a connection between the two and it's a full-blown initiation those that connection and those the what we experience here can be very intense indeed we'll give you another example because Safi says it's water um, we'll give you an example of a trial, an ordeal we had of water. A number of years ago when we were studying Kung Fu, we were in a basement uh, dojo. And uh, our Sifu and his wife, they, they ran the dojo together. It was a husband and wife team. And they had gone away to a uh, competition. Uh, they actually gone to the, the, they had gone to, if... If we recall correctly, they, they went to the World Championships, the World Congress for Kung Fu and martial, and martial arts. Um, and so they had left us in charge of the, of the, uh, of the dojo. And then they had said that we're welcome to, to run classes and come in and practice and, and do classes, et cetera, et cetera. So we did just that. And we were running classes for the junior students. And there was a freak storm which hit Toronto. And it was just raining buckets and there was flash floods. And, you know, Toronto is actually uh, a relatively old city. Uh, it's, it's, it's old by North American standards. And a lot of the infrastructure, um, specifically the drainage systems and the sewage system, is a good several hundred years old. Now, that might not mean anything to anybody from Europe or other parts of the world where their cities are, are thousands of years old, but rest assured that at least uh, some of what was uh, uh, that you live with have been upgraded or was made properly the first time, like by the Romans or whoever. But we 
we don't have that advantage in North America because we didn't have, you know, a couple hundred years ago, nobody was building things like they like they built them a thousand years ago, where they're still standing after a thousand, two thousand years. There's Roman bridges that don't have any mortar in them. There's just stones stacked, and they're still standing after two thousand years. And who knows how many armies have walked across those bridges, and how many tanks, and God only knows what else has gone across those bridges. They're still standing. There's no mortar. Right? A couple hundred years ago, not so much. So. In any case, the, the toilets started overflowing because the sewer backed up and this and the sewer system got flooded and the pressure of the flood was was causing the, the toilets to basically erupt and the, the sewage was coming up back up through the toilets. And in that moment, it was just it was just uh, we had never been in a situation like that before, but we had we were we were made responsible for the whole dojo we were running we had been running the class and all of a sudden there's there's this disgusting water starts seeping into the dojo and right away because of our experience because of our knowledge and awareness and and self-awareness and saying okay we just we received what to do and we just went with it attila off to the side out of the way get out of the way it was all just atlas and immediately we just started pointing people and giving them orders pick up all the furniture take up all the furniture and get it off the floor let's pick up all the mats let's get all the mats up and off the floor and it was just like bang, 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 bang. All these things that needed to be done. And go and get and throw down towels here and do this and do that. And we can't even tell you everything that we told people to do because I wasn't the one doing it. I wasn't the one telling them. It was just coming, coming through, coming through. And and of course, when I realized what was going on and how much water and everything, I realized there's there's only one. Uh, way that I'm going to be able to tackle this. There's no way that we're going to mechanically or just physically or um, with our own hands, with, with what we had available, be able to tackle this. So I gave everybody their jobs and told everybody what to do and, and get it all done. And then we have to try to block as much of the water coming in. And then um, I ran, I jumped in my car. I went to uh, the uh, and and grabbed the uh, shop vac from the uh, from the place of Peapod uh, we were working and I brought the shop back and with the shop back I was able to vacuum out the water and pour it down the 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 drains where where it wasn't coming up so it was the toilet that was the real problem right so um, that was an initiation of water that was initiation of water. Um, isn't that called assertiveness? It was assertiveness, but it wasn't my assertiveness. It wasn't I telling people what to do. It wasn't I saying we need to do this and this and this and this and this. No, no, I was following orders. So someone was using my innermost being, Atlas, was using my assert was being assertive through me 
And this is how we pass our initiations. This is how we pass our tests. Is that we put it in the hands of the hero of our story. You are not the hero of your story. I am not the hero of, of the story. If you're familiar with Lord of the Rings, you know that Frodo is the hero of the story. Frodo is the one who carries the one ring. He carries the burden and he carries this huge weight. And, and, and the, the fate of all of Middle Earth on his shoulders, around his neck, right? Dragging him down, pulling him down. The precious, the one ring, the ring of power. But Frodo's not alone. Frodo has Sam. Samwise Gamgee. His name is, is magical and precious. Samwise. You know what Homo sapien means? Wise man. He's Sam Wise. <laughs> he's a true Homo sapien. Why? Because he serves his master. His master who carries this enormous burden and the fate of the world on his shoulders. And Sam is his gardener, the one who tends the garden. A gardener tends the earth. Your body is a temple. It is the earth in microcosm. We are all the earth in microcosm. And our innermost being is our hero of the story who carries a tremendous burden, the burden of all of our egos. We are Sam. I am Sam, you are Sam. The question is, are we Sam wise? We have at moments in our life, even Sam says, I'm gonna tear up, I'm, I'm welling up because it's so beautiful, it's so true. It is truth, it is beauty. It is an absolute objective reality. When Samwise says to Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. That is the highest honor. That is the highest privilege. And that is the greatest accomplishment that any of us can ever achieve in life. That we helped an individuated essence of the Logos, Logos fulfill their great work in this world, in this life. And we had a hand in doing it. We had a hand in making it happen. There is nothing, nothing else that can compare with that. There's nothing else that comes close to that. 
That is Hanuman. Who, who has all of these feats. He has all these abilities. All in the service of Rama. As they go on a quest to live to free Krishna, the Christ, the Logos. And they have to go and defeat all of these foes in the same way that Frodo has to eliminate the, the, the one ring. The next time you find yourself facing a trial, a test, or an ordeal, you remember that, number one, you're not alone. Number two, think 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 to Sam. Who does Sam serve? Who do you serve? Who is the real hero? And what is and that this burden that your hero carries? It's 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 everything that's testing you. So remember your your innermost. Remember your inner Frodo. And remember what Galadriel gave you remember the gifts because galadriel is the divine mother in the lord of the rings and galadriel gives to frodo and sam all the tools all the weapons all the items that they need and who uses them sam the elven rope, the 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 the, the light of Elendil, <laughs> the lamp is spread, <laughs> and sting, the sword which glows when orcs are near, an elvish blade, just a dagger, just a dagger for elves, but for a hobbit, it's a short sword. We cannot pass the trials without the gifts, without the assistance of our Divine Mother. Nor without the guidance and the wisdom of our innermost Master, Master Frodo. The one who guides, the one who's, who, who leads us on the path. Because Gollum, this creature, is bound to him, Frodo says. Frodo tells that to Faramir. And Gollum is our guide, Frodo says, to Faramir. 
you remember the scene, Frodo, uh, um, Gollum is bathing in the pool, and it's actually Smeagol at that point. This the pool is nice and cool. And he's dancing, he's, he's singing, and he's splashing. And Faramir says to Frodo, <coughs> it's forbidden to swim in the pool of, can't remember the name, the, 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 the magical pool, the, the sacred pool. It's forbidden. And he has an archer ready to shoot. Smeagol and, and Frodo says, no, no, don't. This creature is bound to me. He is our guide. He's taking us, he's leading us into Mordor. Into hell. Into the realm of the great I. The great I. Gollum, Smeagol are the egos. Because Gollum is the the decrepit spirit of the ring of power hatred desire envy lust greed gollum is the personification of that smeagol who wasn't much different than a hobbit once as frodo says to him represents what happens to us when we are consumed by what is precious to us. Like I was nearly consumed by my desire for an answer to my question. Oh, yes, that's, that's, uh, that's, an, that's another one. No, no, that's that's moved moves me to tears every time. And Galadriel leans down and she grabs him by the hand and she pulls him up. That's our divine mother. When you get a second wind, that's 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 where your second wind came from. And when you pass a test, it's because of grace. Any good thing, any beautiful thing, any any compassion, any caring, any forgiving that you do, it's because it's coming through you. And yeah, thank you, Azazel, for reminding for reminding us of that. That scene where Frodo can't go on, he's collapsed. And then the words that she says, this task was appointed to you. If you do not find a way, no one will. This is, this is such a powerful moment in our lives if we have a moment like that where we have such a profound experience and we are given that level of self-evident experiential knowledge that we know with what gravity
And yet, remember, you and I are Sam. Our innermost my innermost atlas is frodo but the tests and trials and ordeals we face we face them together and yes our divine mother has equipped us with all we need to complete that task and she is always watching us She's always there. She's always there to lend us a helping hand, but we must remember her. We must allow her to lend that helping hand. And sometimes in the moment, because even as we were getting that lecture, one of the reasons why we didn't, we didn't, we didn't respond, we didn't react, we didn't say anything, we didn't try to get in the last word. We let that individual get in the last word because. There, because in our heart of hearts, we knew we had to hear it. Our mind didn't want to hear it. Our, our, our body didn't want to hear it, was getting enraged by it. Was getting, was, was, you know, and there was stuff just kept wanting to get in the last word, get a last word. But no, no. Hear this as difficult as this is to hear, you got to hear it. Because often the truth hurts. It hurts. It's painful. It's uncomfortable to hear. But we need to hear it. And especially when we're going through tests and trials, we will encounter such wisdom, such truth, such knowledge being imparted to us. Sometimes from the most unlikely of sources. In this case, was a very, very, very likely and very appropriate source. An individual who, under normal circumstances, and to everyone else, I refer to as an angel. So that's how far removed we were, I was from Atlas, when this angel was behaving in a way which was bringing up this, this reaction. But because I knew that it was the demon and that this was a test and that well we told you the story observe yourself pay attention remember your divine mother remember watch lord of the rings watch the return of the king again And use those, use Sam and Frodo and Galadriel if, if you identify with those characters and they're fresh in your memory because you've watched the film. If you have, like us, watched the film, what, dozens of times, but to be honest with you, for me anyway, in the moment here and i i've met my divine mother i've met atlas i don't i don't need to think about frodo and sam in the moment or galadriel or anything else i don't need to think of any other anything really 
I know myself. I've, I've met myself, my divine mother and my innermost being. And beyond that, I've, I've, well, we also have experiences. Some, some of us are, are gifted and, and given boons and experiences to assist us and help us and guide us on the path for our work that we're here to do. And we must never take for granted uh, any of those experiences. We write about one such experience from our time in Japan when, again, we faced uh, a tremendous test. We made, we faced many tests while we were in Japan, but one which at the time we were very judgmental and we would beat ourselves up all the time. And, um, which is not, a, which is not a good thing to do, but, uh, and in the moment we thought that we had failed a test. And as it turns out, we didn't fail any test that we, what we thought was failing the test, but then we were revealed within 24 hours of, of the failure. So we were shown, it was a way of us being shown the danger. And if you um, want to know in detail what we're talking about, um, we write about it in a, uh, in an article, uh, on our blog and we will pull up the article. It's, it, it might seem strange. Um, but the article is called, uh, uh, video games, transcending, uh, ascending to high art. And, uh, Here's the uh, the link. And it wasn't a test. We thought it was a test. We thought we had failed it. But the comprehension which came out of that proved to be a lesson so profound, so earth shattering, but illuminating. It has stuck with us ever since and will never leave our side. The objective truth that uh, the space that separates Christ from Antichrist is not this enormous gulf people like to think of people like people think that luke skywalker is here and darth vader is way the hell you know and there's this huge gap right like people think that good guys are good guys and then bad guys are these terrible horrific thing and there's this huge space oh i could never be like him i could never be like that hear hear us now and you can read about our experience in this article the our experience in in japan and what it amounted to 
and 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 what what was the catalyst it was a video game that was the catalyst of it believe it or not and the lesson what the our whole world just came crashing in on us because the test that we thought we had failed is that was actually a lesson that was being revealed to us that uh, of how easy it is to slip on a banana peel and cross over to the other side because the line that separates Christ from antichrist is a hairline <clears throat> it's not this vast gulf that people like to tell themselves that oh we're over here and those bad people they're way over there no 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 it's not like that at all people like to talk about that oh extremism it's, it's those are extremists and there's extremists oh and we're all in the middle no it's not like that at all no it, it isn't you're on the right side or you're on the dark side that's it the light side and the dark side it's just like in star wars it's just like in the force and you look in in star wars how easily and how quickly people turn to the dark side it's a slip on a banana peel that's what every shakespearean tragedy every greek tragedy every opera every tragic opera has been trying to say to us for thousands of years It's the it's the uh, it's the fall in the Garden of Eden. It's one tr it's one mistake. It's not any old mistake. There's lots of leeways. We can make many mistakes, but then there's that one mistake, that one thing that can set in a series of precipitous acts, which which cause our fall. The line that separates Christ from Antichrist is a hairline. It's an absolute truth. And the, the higher you get, for, for normal, average people, you know, not so much because they don't, they don't fall into the rule of the higher they, the higher they climb, the, 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 the farther they fall. We have to understand this from the from the point of view of someone on the path of the bodhisattva. That's why in tragedies, it's always kings and people in high levels who fall and then they fall far and they fall hard. And they fall deep. Every demon was once an angel. And every angel was once a demon. If you comprehend Dante's ladder and Jacob's ladder, you don't, you know, we've talked about this many, many, many times. And that's what these, another thing that these tests and trials and ordeals and suffering does for us. Because we are in hell. We have to go into Mordor like Sam and, and, and uh, Frodo. And we have to follow our egos into Mordor. We have to follow Gollum into Mordor. Our egos are our guide. Our suffering is our guide. Our temptations are our guide. Deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of, of the 
lands of the enemy and into the very heart of the mount mountain the very heart of mount doom to the very fires in which the ring of power was forged only there in that fire can it be undone and unmade And in the end, in the end, there's no celebration, there's no accolades, there's no rewards, there's no ticker tape parade. No, because the only aspect of us that would actually care about that is the part of us which must die. Because when you look at that beautiful scene, at the end of, uh, or near the end of Lord of the Rings, where Frodo is reuniting with the Fellowship. And they're all jumping on the bed and they're all carrying on and all of a sudden Sam pokes his head in. And then Frodo's face just, and he just, Elijah Wood with those piercing blue eyes just gives Sam that ever so, yeah, yeah, no one's ever going to know the hell that we've been through, the hell that we went into and back again together. And he, Sam and Frodo have this intimate moment, this intimate connection of self-knowledge, that nobody else will ever know and it's it's not meant for anybody else that's what knowing yourself is about and that's why we have these tests and trials and ordeals to to solidify that bond the bond that sam and frodo have together it's the bond that is goes beyond the fellowship because when the fellowship breaks sam and frodo are the ones who together they continue to fulfill the task the great work and the tests and the trials and the ordeals along the way are their birthright they are their destiny. Now, we can, in this context, go and read the myth of Heracles, or, or also known as Hercules, and the 12 labors he undertakes. It's the 12 labors of Hercules, again, relate to the 12 individuated aspects of the being. And Hercules has to fight the Hydra, the seven-headed snake. Those seven-headed, the same seven-headed serpents that uh, Buddha had to uh, uh, raise. But Hercules has to defeat the Hydra first. He has to defeat the, because those serpents are not tame as Buddha tamed them. 
right now those those seven serpents are a seven-headed hydra all that energy is is in the hands of the egos that's the same that's the same symbol as in the book of exodus when the israelites are being bitten by the serpents in the desert and they beg M moses to help them to 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 give them a solution and moses raises a serpent of brass or a serpent of bronze on his staff bronze is the alchemical union of copper and tin copper is feminine tin is masculine bronze is the alchemical union of copper and tin that's white tantra that's tantra that's a sexual alchemy he raises the serpent of bronze on a staff and then the the serpents no longer bite at the heels of the israelites that's the hydra that hercules has to defeat and the seven serpents that buddha raises it's all the same symbol it's all a question is does the sexual force flow down and out or up and in so we're almost on three hours um mugaboo we're sorry you didn't get a notification but no youtube does not automatically send notifications uh, even if you ask it to it doesn't automatically send notifications. YouTube is a terrible platform for uh, for that. You have to stay on top of it or write yourself a note or do whatever. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's just it's just not a good platform for uh, for notifications, but it is a good but it is a good streaming platform. Um Azazel, one more comment. He said, "Yes, we have asked many times why we were given these gifts but not others." And the answer must be that we must give of what we have. Exactly, exactly. The gifts that we have are here to be given away for the sake of others. Service to others, sacrifice for others. Sacrifice of ourselves, giving of ourselves. What we have to give uh, must be given away. But we have to be practical, we have to survive. But if we put ourselves in the hands of our divine mother we will be looked after one way or another opportunities will come we will survive we will have what we need it's just we might have a very different understanding of what we need versus what our innermost knows we need or don't need what our divine mother knows what we really need and what we want because our divine mother is not in the business of giving us what we want she's in the business of giving us what we need to complete the journey the path the the mission the work that we came here to do our destiny however as we have mentioned because that destiny that work that that passion will be the most fulfilling uplifting satisfying aspect of our lives 
that means we will be willing to sacrifice for it because we will know that there's nothing else that can satisfy us in the same way. Not money, not fame, not fortune, not whatever. If we need money and fame and fortune to do our work, well, then so be it. That will come, that will flow, but not before it's time. And certainly not for us to indulge ourselves in. It'll be to flow through us. So for example, if money, fame, and fortune need to happen for us, for the sake of the Atlas Project, for the sake of suffering humanity, then they will flow, but they will flow through us for the sake of others. Won't be for my benefit. I've said before, and I've said it again, no matter how much or how much worldly success comes to the Atlas Project, if I have a car, it's going to be a small, practical car. I don't need supercars. I don't need Mercedes Benzes. I don't need, you know, I, I don't need these things. I don't need 50,000 square feet houses. I don't need penthouse suites and condominiums. I don't need private islands. I don't need any of this nonsense. None of it. And I won't have any of it. Because if currency currency was given that name because it's energy that it's in a physical form means it's just a very crude physical expression of energy and energy must flow and if someone is walking the path of the bodhisattva they cannot fathom hoarding and keeping to themselves for their own benefit anything anything this is the entire impetus behind our blog and these these our, our youtube channel these live streams is what comes to us must flow through us that's our way that's the path of the bodhisattva that's our way there can't be any other way what good would we be what good could we do any other way it's, it would be impossible um all right well, now we're very nearly near the three hour mark does anyone have any questions about the trials the tests the ordeals mugaboo says i feel the exact same way why have a house with 10 rooms when two rooms are enough i do like comfort but a small house or condo is enough. You know, it's amazing what constituted the American dream in the 1950s. You look at those wartime houses that were built right after the Second World War. And, and sure, there was a car in every driveway. I mean, but that's... In North America, that's just the way North America was built. It was built by the car companies in, in many ways and all of that stuff because they were they became very rich and powerful 
during the war. Uh, before the war, um, cars were, were still relatively rare um, for most people. But after the war, they became, everybody had a car. But the little houses, those wartime houses, those houses from the 50s and 60s, they're still around. And you look at them and you realize that there were families of five, six, seven living in these little things. And they're like 900 square feet, 1,100 square feet. They're tiny. Now, here in North America anyway, you think that a, a, a couple with two kids or three kids live in anything less than 5,000 square feet? It's nuts. Everybody needs their own room. Everybody needs, you know, then we have the separate room for this, a separate room for that. Then we have the home theater room. We have every, Then we have the office. Then we have the gym. Then we have this. Then we have that. It's um, it's when we were in Japan that 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 we discovered just how little we needed, and we won't tell you again. We've told the story a, a million times, and and our regular uh, viewers are going to be like, "Oh God, not this story again." So, um, but we had a tiny, tiny little apartment, tiny. I mean, it really was tiny. I mean, this by Japanese standards. The building that we lived in was called Leo Palace. By Japanese standards, it was a palace. So anybody else have any uh, other questions? Or does anybody want to share anything in terms of tests or trials or ordeals that, that you've experienced, that you've gone through? Um, The, the thing to remember, the thing to keep in mind is that all of this is, as we say, it's connected to making progress, genuine progress. Magabu says, it seems my life is full of ordeals. Well, Mugaboo, one of your ordeals is that you missed the live stream, but the good part for you is that you can go back and watch it again because it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to remain on YouTube. So you can, you can watch it and hopefully by the end, you will see that the ordeal, the ordeals that you are facing, as difficult as they may be, are there for your benefit. And Jennifer says, I watched Lord of the Rings while facing some very difficult and life-threatening trials. I felt like there was no chance of surviving. The story of Frodo and Samwise touched me so deeply because it was exactly what I was facing. It's an incredible story of facing trials and tribulations. Yes, yes, it is. And it's a story of triumph. 
Mugabe says, I was born in Africa and by the age of 14 went through five countries, seen two wars, went from super rich to super poor. What have you learned? What have you gained? You don't have to answer that. That's what, these are rhetorical questions. But I can tell you what we lost. We were a partner in a uh, of a uh, startup internet company in 1998-99. We became uh, that company landed a strategic partnership with IBM, and we went public on the Nasdaq. few years later, that was just before the dot bomb bubble, the dot bomb, uh, the dot com slash dot bomb bubble burst. A few years later, well, I'm not going to tell you my life story either. So I've been through a lot as well. I don't, I what I have to my name is basically the equipment that I'm using to be able to do these live streams. I've lost everything. I lost fiance. I lost everything. But what I gained was infinitely more valuable and more important. Because what I gained cannot be bought, cannot be sold, cannot be taken, cannot be stolen, cannot burn down in a fire, cannot be seized by a communist government. Benjamin says, when you mentioned earlier that our innermost being is the one carrying the burden, it reminded me of Jesus's words when he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Today's lecture helped me understand this. Thank you. You're welcome. But that's, but that's it. You must deny yourself and take up your cross, take up the cross and follow Christ. Christ did not come here to make Christians. Christ came here to show us the way, the path of the Bodhisattva, the direct path, as did Master Samael. As Azil says, regarding pride, we were referring to earlier, was basically what had to be sacrificed to leave the temple. Ah, right, okay. So you, so in the dream, for you, it was a matter of pride, putting the crown down. And, and in that sense, for sure, obviously, that your, your experience of that is correct. The way, the way you said it, or the way we read it was that what you're willing to give up is pride because you had this dream where you 
where it was pride. You well, you didn't you didn't spe- you didn't specify that the first time. You just said, if we remember correctly, we might be misunderstanding. But re- never remember this medium and this chat medium is a terrible, terrible. Uh, it, it's so easy to misunderstand and misinterpret and miscommunicate when we're when we're trying to you know type in what we uh, what we think. Um. Yeah, and yeah, 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 exactly. So no, you know what? Um, normally that we you normally I put the link in for you to join and everything else, but today for whatever reason, because of all these technical difficulties, and the chat was going crazy and everything else, um, we we thought better of it because it was the chat was already enough of a, a distraction. We needed to be able to face that distraction and um, and and get through. Um, this discussion and sharing of the test trials and ordeals, because frankly, it's not talked about enough. It's not understood. Even as we were relaying the test, the trial, even after after all the the, the preamble, and we were relaying our test, there were there were responses in the chat saying. Oh, that person was this way, and that person was that way, and that was just inhumane, and that was this, and that was that. And I'm like, you see how easy it is, and how common it is, and how expected it is for us to be judgmental and judge others as being this way and that way and the other thing. Meanwhile, they're being that way for our benefit. They might not know it. They might be completely asleep. But our, 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 our divine mother is orchestrating that they be saying and doing these things. And it's just such an automatic reaction that we have. Saying, oh, they should never have said that. How dare they say that? Oh, well, where does he get off saying that? Well, where he gets off saying that is your divine mother needed him to say that whether it was to trigger your ego or to do this or whatever or to put you you know get you off your guard get you looking at yourself get you you know it, it's a test and it's, it reminds me of the the people like back when i was in school the people like i can't believe that they put this on that test and that on that test and whatever it, it's a test why didn't you study for it why didn't you prepare for it what were you expecting? You were you were expecting it to be easy? You were expecting just to, to, to glide through it, surf through it? And especially nowadays, especially nowadays, this is a message that needs to get out there because the generations that have been raised, the millennials and Gen Z, have been completely ruined. They expect participation. Uh, uh, trophies just for showing up and like all those new age so-called self-styled indigo children and seekers and spiritual this that and the other thing they have no concept of what we're talking about here they think that they're going to eat their mushrooms and drink their ayahuasca and 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 rub their crystals and and do their reiki right into nirvana 
No, they won't. And no, half a yoga is not going to get you there. And Bikram hot yoga is not going to open the doors for you. It won't. You can do all the mantra you, in, uh, in the world. You can even do all the meditation in the world. It's not going to get you there if you do not pass the trials and tests and ordeals. If you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over, guess what? You're not, you ain't going anywhere. And if you keep doing them for 108 lifetimes, guess what? There's only one place you're going. And that's for mechanical nature to wipe your monad clear of its burden because it's it's beyond its capacity. It's too much. It can't handle that burden anymore. It's accumulated too much karma, too much garbage, too many egos. So the masters of the White Lodge will say, okay, you had your choice. You had your chance. You blew it. We'll see you a couple thousand years from now when you return from hell and get reinserted into the mineral kingdom. And you'll be a fresh, clean baby monad. And you'll have to start your journey of countless lifetimes through the mineral, plant, animal, human kingdom. You'll have to start that journey from the beginning. You'll be, re you'll be born again. Not you, not the personality. That's long gone. Not the physical body you have. That's long gone. We're talking about your innermost, your monad. Be reinserted into the mineral kingdom to try all over again from ground zero. So there's mercy. There's severity in that, but there's mercy there. Because nobody, not even the masters of the White Lodge, can make you do anything that you don't want to do. And nobody can walk your path for you. Nobody can fulfill your destiny but you. <clears throat> As Azil says, yeah, besides, we must leave the temple for either side of us to take charge. And he says, yeah, the karma for wasting the gifts is knee-jerking to even reflect upon. Humility, humility is, is the way. That's our, our, um, our parting message. To pass the test, trials, and ordeals. The key is to remember that you are not the hero of the story. That when you're facing test trials and ordeals, you are here to serve your innermost master. You are Hanuman. You have gifts, you have powers, you have strengths. Good, excellent, wonderful. How can you put them in the service of your innermost being? And it's very important because, well, you know, 
we start talking about how important humility is. And then within the span of a minute, we come to patience and how and why patience is a virtue. And then as, as soon as we say that comes honesty and honor and valor and courage and the eight great virtues clearly uh the old timers knew what the hell they were talking about when they talked about the seven deadly sins and the eight great virtues uh saint augustine thomas aquinas and all, all and and all of the and the uh the um um uh, the stoics like marcus aurelius humility patience courage honor honesty um these will serve as your weapons these will help you get through uh, the the challenges the trials the ordeals and these flow through you from your innermost hero who possesses them who has these in abundance by making his virtues your virtues you are doing as azazel did in his dream taking the crown off and setting it aside and leaving the temple and going and digging yourself a grave so that your innermost hero can come in to that temple put on the crown sit on the throne and throw open the doors of the temple to allow the masses to come in and all that he is and all that he has to flow out from that temple into the community, into the countryside, into the nation, and into the world. This is what's at stake here and now in the Kali Yuga of this humanity something which we have been not wrestling with not even toying with contemplating and i haven't received a definitive answer but and that's because it is still only th there's a speculative aspect to the information that came our way regarding some important dates um so we haven't shared it yet and we won't until we we get get a clearer confirmation but let's just say that none of us have any time to waste and that the stakes 
could not be higher. And we mean on a humanity level, on a global level. The, the stakes have never been higher for this humanity, ever, ever, than they are right now. And your role to play in that, the fact that you're here listening and watching is proof of that. Find your role, find, find that destiny, go within and take up the gifts that Galadriel has handed you and go with your innermost Frodo to the heart of the mountain into the into the deep into the enemy's territory and destroy what needs to be destroyed and create and build what needs to be built and sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed on the on the altar on the sacrificial altar so that you can become and you can be and you can experience and know who you truly are and what you came here to do I know that feeling of accomplishment and that feeling of fulfillment and that feeling of purposefulness because that is the true meaning of life. It's as true for us as it was true for Samwise Gamgee that Tolkien put him into the book. Samwise has one role in that book. And that's to be Frodo's gardener. To tend to the earth. To tend to the earth. These are the words of Atlas, my friends. And why the Atlas Project has Peapod Life is because we are here recruiting an army of gardeners, an army of homo sapiens, of wise men and wise women, Samwises, an army of them. And an army of Frodo's. As Azil says, this was a very beautiful stream. It spoke very deeply to us all. I hope and I pray you could all understand and hear us speak with our uh, with our technological uh, encumbrances. Um, we appreciate you. We thank you for being here. We thank you for those kind words. And we hope and we pray that you will have the strength and the patience and the humility and the courage and the valor, the honor to face your tests and trials ordeals with those and other virtues and all the gifts which you have been given and all the tools 
at your disposal and all the weapons that have been handed to you and Mugaboo, thank you sir it came into our mind and and we held it and we just waited and Mugaboo 22 finished what belonged at the end of that prayer you see we are in this together we are all connected we are all part of that one same beautiful light that resplendent glow alux all light god light the logos and it is in this stream the man or the the individual who claims to have lost the most in his life who received in this moment the beautiful punctuation point to today's stream so dear dear brother dear friend for all you have lost observe what you have gained the very voice of the logos has just spoken through you to the rest of us and on that note everyone have a good week we hope to see you back next week and hopefully all the technical foibles will be worked out in the meantime take care god bless you and inferential peace all the best and to you safi take care now